Welcome, everyone. The CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Blaisdell Franklin Estates in the West End of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, October the 19th. We're going to talk about Virginia's loss to uh, to Pittsburgh last weekend, 45-31. Uh, disappointing in, in a number of ways, and I'm sure we'll get into that, uh, as well as kind of preview Saturday's matchup uh, with the Tar Heels, uh, the renewal of the South's oldest rivalry, which I believe if I saw that tweet from UVA correctly, this is going to be the anniversary, I guess, of the first game that was played uh, in 1896. Um I'm not doing the math on that, guys. So, anyway, it should be uh, an interesting matchup uh, on Saturday. But before we do that, let's uh, before we get into that, we'll, we'll obviously talk about Pitt. Let's uh, go around and introduce everybody. And for tonight, everybody is David Spence out in Fishersville. Welcome back to the show, my friend. Thank you, Bradley. Always a pleasure to be here. David Spence, who days on the board, at who days on Twitter. And it's Bradford, for the record. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Cavs Corner, also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for our in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Uh, Justin Ferber is not with us tonight. Um, that dude has more power problems at his house than than I than, – I mean, I don't think I've – I say this now and then the power go out. But I don't – you know, that just hasn't happened Like when it's not like a, you know, a, a weather event. But he had a transformer blow uh, near his house tonight, and so he will not be joining the show. Unfortunately, we're all in Northern Virginia. <laughs> I know, right? Got to kind of be watching out for those uh, those transformers. All right, so Virginia goes out and does not take a step forward for the first time this season. Certainly, um, a result that I was um, a little bit confused by in some ways. I, I really thought after that first quarter that the Cavaliers were like a hot knife through butter, and that maybe you had a, a, a shootout on your hands, and, and it just kind of fizzled out. Um, Dave, you didn't get a chance to watch this live because you had a wedding to attend. I believe it's your sister's wedding, right? Yes. So you didn't have much of a choice. How, how, wait a minute. Time out. Your sister actually got married in the fall. Yeah. That's don't get just mean. Okay, anyway. So how you got to see the first half or the I first quarter. The last play of the first quarter, I was still at my parents' house with my dad. We had to go for pictures. So we were the last play of the first quarter. I had to turn it off. So it was like 28, uh, 21, I believe. Uh, yeah. 28, 21. Um, listen to most of the second quarter in the cars. We headed down towards Dinwiddie County. Um, Old lost, yeah, lost, lost the, uh, the feed right before halftime and then had no idea what happened in the second cause the wedding was going on. Um, came back and watched it Sunday afternoon. Um, but yeah, it was yeah, the first quarter. I mean, you get a feeling that, you know, Virginia's offense was clicking, and obviously I wouldn't know what would transpire later until much later, but you know, even watching it then when it happened, you got the feeling that we were giving Pittsburgh too many gifts, um, you know, that the big kick return just, you know, and then you come back and you're like, oh, maybe we're okay. So it's it was weird. I mean, I, I don't want to start talking about the whole game, but um, obviously I'll tell you, if you're a friend of mine listening to this, please don't get married in the fall. It really messed up my whole day. I blame me for the loss. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like my sister. My sister waffles between like when she's allowed to watch UVA basketball games and when she's not. Um, it, yeah, you know, it was funny because watching that first quarter play out. I mean, it was it was crazy, and then it just all of a sudden wasn't. You know, it just and and I agreed with something that Bronco said earlier this week. He said, you know, once Pitt got the lead, uh, totally different team. 
totally different team, totally different game plan. Like it was almost like they had like a like a like a pedal to the floor uh, game plan, and they were prepared. And they and look, hats off to them because I thought they they played a really good game. I thought, you know, it was interesting to me the way that they would kind of go away from Connor for a while and then come back to him. Um, but you know, Virginia still consistency is the issue. I wrote about that Monday, and 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 rewatching it, it was even more more telling. You know that ultimately. Play to play to play to play, um, you know, you want to – it's not that you don't want to see success on every play, but what you want to see is that they're able to recover from the when the when there are ebbs. You know, you want to see flows. And I, let's get into this. I, Virginia has been so dependent on the, on the big play this season. Um, and I think Bronco made a point about this too. Like, it's almost to the detriment of the offense in the sense that, like, they're not very good at, like, having to sustain drives. They're good at – at hitting the big play and you know having a you know a three play drive or a two play drive, but when they needed to kind of manufacture some offense, even even when I thought Pitt did a good job of kind of tweaking a couple things in the second half, like I said, they were much more aggressive. Um, I thought that really knocked UVA out of rhythm. But ultimately, I think what cost them was that they just weren't able to kind of go out there and manufacture offense. And it's really weird to say that, right? But it's almost like a team that lives and dies by the three, right? Like at some point, you got to be able to go out and get and, and go inside and get a bucket. And Virginia right now just can't do that. And so I think that's going to be the, the – that seems like to me the beyond just the special teams, which we'll get to in a second. It does seem like that's going to be the focus for them going into this game, um, which is, look, you're playing a Carolina team that, that obviously wants to get the ball that quick, wants to play – um, you know, wants to wants to attack you horizontally. Um, you're gonna have to score, and in order to do that, you're gonna need to to sustain some drives. And I feel like, in a lot of ways, you know, the Cavaliers kind of did do that. What? So did you did you rewatch it that night? The next no, day? the next day, the next day. Take me through what yeah. some of your observations of of uh, Virginia's offense as a whole. Take me through some of what you what you think you, you kind of saw from them. Well, I rewatched the whole game. Uh, I didn't want to start watching where I stopped. Um, and it was weird. I, I think knowing what happened and rewatching it, I wasn't watching it with the same like oh emotion that you would have live. Um, so I was kind of yeah, I kind of knew what to expect. I think it's easy to to make generalizations about about how bad the offense was the second half, but you know it's it doesn't matter when you score your points. It's what you score. I mean, they put up thirty one points. Right. Um, Hey, look, we would have taken that most years recently. 31 points against a good team was beat offensive explosion. Um, so, you know, it, it kind of hit me even more as I rewatched it that essentially that game was a was a wash, which we should be, you know, a Virginia fan should be happy with given the state we are in our program <clears throat> against a, a very good pit team that probably has strength in our biggest areas of weakness. Um, you know, in the trenches, especially um, if you take away the two kickoff returns in the pick six, Virginia wins that game. Now, I, I know it's easy to do, but essentially the rest of the game was a complete wash. And that's what you want you know, when you're playing a better team at home. Um, obviously, you've, obviously, you want more than that, but, you know, that's you can't ask for much more than that. Um, so it's, you know, I, I don't look. the offense has got some deficiencies when you when they try to run the ball. But also thought we didn't commit enough to trying to run it in the second half, and a lot of that had to do with playing from behind. Um, I do think Kurt got a little skittish after he, the pressure on those first few series um, in the second half, and not skittish in a bad way. I mean, if you're getting hit, you're going to get skittish. Um, 
the offense just seemed to lack some creativity. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that we didn't, we weren't able to run the ball well and we didn't commit to it enough. Um, certainly that's easier to do when you're ahead. Um, so I don't know. I mean, but, but if you look at the game as a whole, I mean, the offense did put up 31 points, um, whether it's big plays or sustained drives, it's the points on the board that matter. Um, obviously you gave up 45, but essentially 21 of those were gifted. So it's, there's some pluses and, you know, there's some positives you can take out of it. Um, the bottom line being is when you, when you're a team that's developing and, and building like Virginia, um, you can't give the other team freebies. We've seen that in every loss we've had this year. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one. That's one thing, right? Is that turnovers are always going to be a thing when the when the defense doesn't force any. That's going to be a problem. Um, you know, I think Virginia's still susceptible to the big play offensively through the air. Um, you know, the 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 one the, the long touchdown fast early to 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 chest to Jester uh, uh, Wea, uh was just a missed tackle in the in the in the absolute worst spot. But that's that's the game, right? That's the position. That's what you got to do. Um, it's one of those things where I feel like the Cavaliers are, are going to constantly be in a spot this season, and this is and this might even extend into the first part of next year, where consistency is going to be the going to be the, the rabbit they chase, right? Um, where they clearly have playmakers, they clearly have options, and they clearly have guys who at times can can make plays and win games. What they don't have is enough guys to make enough plays consistently, and that certainly seems to be the case on um, special teams as well. You know. I don't know if I remember a, a feast or famine kind of situation where you have, on the one hand, punt coverage, which has been absolutely astounding, right? They've been so good this year, and, and it's somewhat unfortunate that they've been so bad you know, in kick coverage because people aren't going to remember. They're going to remember there were all these issues with special teams. They're not going to remember how good Virginia's kick, uh, punt coverage was. I mean, now it's not just Nicholas Conti. It's, it's, it's actually just the coverage units themselves. Guys are getting downfield. They're making plays on the ball. They're they're pinning people uh, inside the the twenty. Um, guys are I mean they're really executing that well, and, and it's almost like as well as they're executing that they're 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 not executing on kick coverage. Um, in the, in a situation like Saturday where they actually got the directional kick they wanted, and yet it doesn't do them any good because you know the they their guys are out of their lanes and and they lose um, they lose leverage and and and. And and Quadra Henderson hits a home run, and and then there were a couple other ones. You know, what they what was it two hundred and eight kickoff return yardage? I mean, that's just that's not tenable. You know, that's just an untenable situation. You know, you're already you got some issues on with consistency, and you're not. You know, your your offense is not one that can sustain and sustain and sustain. Like it hits some big plays, but at some level, the other team catches up, or 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 you're being you're asking you're asking yourself to be too perfect offensively. Your defense didn't pick you up in, in, in some situations, right? Um, I felt like there were a couple drives there where Pitt just kind of had its way with the defense, and you just can't give up those special team mistakes or kick coverage mistakes. And so I think that's a that's a huge challenge for them going into this game. One because Ryan Switzer's really good, obviously, and then yeah. two because you know historically Carolina special teams are pretty good under Fedora, and so Virginia can't continue to just kind of can put out the you know guys. Or guy, the same guys doing making the same mistakes. They're going to have to go to. Uh, it sounds like they're they're going to make some tweaks to who's on what units and maybe some starters are more on kickoff coverage than than the past. But certainly, 
you know the the staff has been talking about all season that they they want starters on on special teams units and and all of them have to have to play on at least one uh so it becomes a workload thing um and you wonder what the tryouts are, so to speak were like for the for that this week and 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 how that'll kind of um kind of measure out the other thing i thought that stood out to me was and robert and i kind of alluded to this a little bit he made a comment in, in his post game comments about how there are times when he can't, when he's on fire and he can't miss as a play caller, and there are times when he can't seem to figure out like how to get him going, and that's exactly what it felt like. It felt like there were times where they're almost stuck in mud, you know, like it just it, yeah. it almost like looked like it. I mean, some drives it's like um, you can just tell like this is a team that's clicking, and then they will come out and they just don't look like the same team at all. And I wonder how much that pick six psychologically, um, you know, had an effect on them because. <sighs> That drive, look, any anybody who questions that that decision, I, I gotta say, I think it was the right move. You know, you you're you're not gonna get the ball in the second half. Yes, sure, you got a lead. You got the first down on the ground that you needed to to kind of give you some life. Then you had a guy open right on the play on the play before you throw the pick six. Um, you know, Kurt uh, kind of chalked it up to a miscommunication. You know, he he and the receiver not on the same page. But I mean, honestly, I, I think that it's the right move for this team. Like, you need all the points you can get. And what did you see from your defense in that first half uh, that made you think you were gonna, you know, oh well, if we we sit on the seven point lead, it's gonna be okay. Like, I think it, you had to go out and you had to push, you had to push the agenda a little bit. Now, the part the part that sucks is that look, when you throw a, an interception that far downfield, you don't expect a guy to return it that long. But the other thing is, is that because you do run a lot of deep routes, a lot of the best, you know, players that you may have had to tackle, they weren't anywhere near it. Um, and so when he's, you know, when he's dicing everybody up, um, you know, it, I thought I thought Pitt just did a great job of going from offense, uh, excuse me, from defense to offense really quickly. Um, but I think it was the right decision, and and yeah, it's 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 unfortunate that they didn't execute it and and that it went the other way. But I, and I do know that it changed the complexion of that game and probably was the play that really um, cemented, you know, Pitt's momentum. Um, yeah, but at the same time, I think it was the right call. I really do. I think yeah. it was the right call. It just wasn't executed well. Yeah, that's one of those I, I kind of knew it was coming, right? But I only knew that it happened. I didn't know the specifics of it. Um, so it was. I expected, based on hearing they returned to pick six, that we threw some one of those quick outs again, and someone jumped it. So I was kind of shocked to see that it wasn't a quick out, and it was. You know, I understood a lot more watching it than I did kind of hearing about it after. You know, when he got to the reception, and everyone and Brandon kind of told us what had happened. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what you could have done differently there, other than you know, it's execution, um, and that's going to happen. It, it was a, a heck of a return. Um, I mean, I was trying to imagine what happens if you know, smoke busts that big run, and the next play you run the ball again, you're going to get booed onto the locker room. I mean, that so. is an, you know what? That's a that's an excellent point, and that and it really yeah. does kind of underscore kind of the fickleness of fans. And I'm not, I'm not throwing shade here. I'm just being honest, right? Virginia runs for a nice long gain on first down. You're everybody in the stadium thinks, okay, they're going to start throwing it, right? Yep. And if they had run it on second down and run into and run it out, they would people would have booed. Yep. You can't you can't know at that moment. Just, there was a timeout. Um, I somebody on Twitter said something about it. it was a, it was if it, there was a there was a situation where it was like a fourth and short, and Pitt was looking like they were going to punt, and Bronco mm-hmm. calls timeout. And people on Twitter coming at where I didn't necessarily I don't want to say coming at me, but I just saw some comments about it, like it, that basically they were going to lose their mind if uh, if Pitt, Pitt decided came, to go for it, right? Decided to go for it, and Virginia calling timeout gave them the chance to make the decision. 
and and I thought, but isn't it you know isn't it just as poss- like just as likely that the timeout could have prevented a fake field goal or a fake excuse me a fake punt from you know what I mean? So like clearly they were trying to get their personnel situation straight. Um, it's like Schrodinger's uh, timeout, you know, like both both things can exist at the same time. It just doesn't make any sense to me that that folks always go to the automatic negative, right? Which is all right. Well, if if you if you had run that ball the second time and run out the clock, um, everybody in the stadium would have booed because they would have all assumed that that it would have worked out well. You can't. You don't have the foresight to say actually, we only call timeout because we had a a soothsayer on the sidelines who said if we if we tried to push the agenda, they're going to throw a pick six. Like you can't know that. Like you have to go out and you have to play the game to win. Um, and so I think it's funny because you're exactly right. People would have booed, and yet after the thing, after the play, it, it, look, it's a results-oriented business. At the end of the day, that's all. That's what sports is. It doesn't matter, you know, that you 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 tried to save your closer. It matters that you lost the game. It doesn't matter if you you played uh, if you played the press well than you know two nights before. It matters that you didn't do it in the elite eight. Like the, this situation is one where yes, the right call was to be aggressive. Because you weren't getting the ball in the second half, and you knew you had to score points to win, um, it just wasn't executed well, and that's ultimately yeah. the, the takeaway. Which sh- it should not be that they they shouldn't be aggressive. It's that you know the takeaway is is that they've got to execute at a higher level and they got to be more consistent. Yep. Um, and the other thing that stuck st- kind of stuck out to me about that play was <laughs> as he's running it down, I almost wondered, oh man, he's going to get they're going to run out of time. Like I really thought he was going to get tackled a short and they weren't even going to get to like try to kick a field goal or something. Um, and you think about how close, you know, that, that may have been, but then a couple offensive linemen get kind of blown up on blocks and it's over. Um, you hate to think that a, that a, that a play before halftime can really change the game when it was basically, uh, when, when the game was so nip and tuck, right? Yeah. And, and yet, I th- I think everybody had the same feeling, which was that was a huge play. And I think that in and of itself is a good, a good kind of um, primer, so to speak, on like how, like how uh, how much how far the program still has to go, right? How how much the, the how much work is still ahead, right? Because if you're in a game like that, when there are, there's that much time, if there there's that much football left to play, and a, and and a and a and something goes against you, and you kind of already feel like the thing is done, right? Now, like I said before, when that when Pitt got the lead, they're a completely different animal, and they they executed well. Um, they, you know, used James Conner on defense. I mean, they they did some they did some really nice stuff. I don't want to take away from that. I think for Virginia going forward, the lesson from that game has to be that consistency will cost you. Um, in more in more ways than one, like it's not just missed assignments. It's also, you know, when you're consistent and you have faith in your offense, you know, okay, this is this is fine. We got plenty of time, you know. But like you said, I, I kind of got the feeling that that once that thing happened, it was like you just you just kind of knew. It was almost like the it's almost like the Central Michigan game when they were uh, when they cut it when they cut the twenty eight point lead to seven. You just knew they were going to tie yeah. it. Yep. So. Yeah. Let's look ahead to to Carolina. I, I think um, I was I watched the the hurricane debacle uh, in in Chapel Hill against Tech, and I mean, look, I I don't know if I've ever seen a team that disinterested with playing football, like, and I look, I get it, you were miserable, um, it was horrible, you know, whatever. It didn't seem to affect Tech, but you know, 
Carolina just did not look like any of those guys really wanted to be there. And then they come out the next week and and beat the snot on Miami. Um, what do you make of that? Yeah, it's football now, man. I mean, it's, we've kind of <laughs> joked about the transitive property not meaning anything, and it really doesn't. I mean, so many of these teams have really good talent, and the quarterback position, the offense is so so important to success. And you know, if you get a game where your defense is clicking and the other team's offense is not, I mean, it, just the the difference between being good and and you know and losing is so thin for every team not named Alabama, it seems. Um, I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all. It, I mean, I thought, you know, I actually, in my weekly college pick them, had, had um, Carolina win in that game, and it was my 10th, you know, with 10 confidence, the highest confidence of the week. I just kind of felt it coming. Um, you know, it's – and especially a team like Carolina, who depends so much on their offense. If if they get rolling, you kind of mentioned how Virginia kind of seemed to get into a funk against Pitt. I mean, Carolina gets that offense rolling; they're pretty tough. Um, and it, you know, we've seen it across the country with different teams. We've especially seen it even with Virginia. I mean, um, you know, the Duke game. I thought Virginia made Duke look pretty bad, and Duke had just made Notre Dame look pretty bad. So it's it's a funny game we've got this year. Um, well, I think it kind of underscores we, – we, we were talking about this several weeks ago or some point, I don't remember, about parity, right? Like there are a handful of teams that are really good, and then like basically everybody from like that point, what, like 10 to like 118 or something, something crazy like that, right? That like basically everybody's packed in this little bitty space. You know, like everybody's tied, you know, and uh, there are 100 teams. And everybody's like in the same thing. So like it does make sense that week to week everything kind of feels like chaos, but – the thing that stands out to me about this Carolina thing is that, like, it's almost like that Tech game didn't happen, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, the conditions were what they were, and the situation was what it was, and, th- th- you know, it was like one of those things where, like, mentally you just knew. And, I mean, look, Carolina's a team that, like, their offense is all about timing and passing and horizontal and, you know, whatever. And their defense is not really that great, um, although looked a lot better against Miami. But, like, think about it. Like, you went into that thing knowing, like, hey, man, like, this – this is going to suck. Like, we're going to have to go do this thing, and it's going to suck. And you knew you knew that for days. You know? Like, it's almost like I think you put that thing in a coffin, and you just, like, send it to sea. Like, you you can't fight it, you know? But I, 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 I it's funny because, like, as I evaluate, like, as I'm looking at this game and I'm trying to write stuff and preview stuff and, like, whatever, like, you can't not consider it, but at the same time, I'm like, it doesn't have. Like, I feel like that game has zero bearing on who Carolina is as a team, except for the part about having uh, no desire to play that day. Like, the one thing I do remember about playing football was that I had the most fun when the conditions were the absolute worst. I remember when I was a kid playing football, and we had to play at uh, Victoria. Do you know where that is? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And we had to play at Victoria. Cambridge. Yep. We had to play. We had to play Cambridge in Victoria. Um, and I mean, dude, I mean the mud. I've never been in that around that much mud in my life, and it was amazing. It was the most fun game, right? It. I mean, you couldn't throw the ball, obviously. Um, yeah. But man, you could tackle. You know, and like I don't know. There's just something about that. And, and uh, listen, I understand that these are world class athletes. I don't. Don't get me wrong. I get it. But I'm just saying, like, the only thing I think you can take away is that there are certain situations where Carolina's players apparently just don't want to play. All right, so. What's that, you know, what does that look like? You know, if they make some mistakes, you know, like, what do you have to do to get back in that room? 
Sorry, I had a uh, quick yawn there. Um, <laughs> so, like, what do you have to do to get them back in that room? And so the que- that's the thing. I think every team on the, on the rest of their schedule all year long is going to be wondering, like, what do we have to do to knock them out like that again? Now, maybe mentally, they, you know, it happened, they got past it, and then they had the, the, the confidence that came from the next week. Um, but, like I said, from a, from a schematic or, like, feel for the players or positions or schemes and systems, like, it, like there, I don't think there's anything you can take away from that game unless you're going to be playing in a downpour in 35-mile-an-hour winds. Like, it, I just yeah, don't I mean, think you can. I mean, Tech's kind of always, you know, Foster, you know, he, he struggles against some of the new offenses, but he struggles against the new offenses with, with quarterbacks who, who've got a run threat, and Trubisky really doesn't have that. Um, you combine that with the weather making him a little less accurate and his receivers a little less sure of their feet. And, it, you know, it's kind of a perfect storm. Um, yeah, and then you, the psychological component. It was clear that Tech wanted that game more than more than Carolina. Um, and then you 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 turn around and, I mean, if you watch the Tech Syracuse game, I mean, <laughs> it was the exact opposite. So it's, you know, it, it doesn't take much. Um, so I, I would just throw that game out. I think Carolina's a lot better team than we saw that week. Um, also, think Carolina's defense um, reminds me a little bit of of ours in some ways. It, not this current one, but the one, uh, God, that was horrible. Just <laughs> reminds me of our defense the last few years under Tenuta, where where they're a, a defense that has pieces, but not a scheme that's really good against the spread offense, but kind of does well against more traditional stuff. Um, so it, you know, I think they showed up a little bit better against Pitt. Um, they showed up, you know, they give up a lot of points, but they still. Yeah, that sounds that's horrible. But if you watch the game, they actually played pretty decent defense despite the score. Um, so I mean, Carolina's a really good team. You know, they've lost what two ACC games over the last two seasons right now. Um, yeah, that's one of them was in a downpour. Um, yeah, one of them. You know, Bronco made a good point earlier this week. He was talking about how to him, like you can play good defense and and it not look like good defense. You know what I mean? Like eventually, like they they score or what have you, but you can see elements. I think the thing that concerns me about this game is that Carolina is a team that will make you pay for mistakes, and consistency being what it is, and and we've talked about that already. I kind of feel like as you as you look at this matchup, um, one Carolina has not felt the ramifications of losing Marquise Williams the way I thought that they possibly could. Uh, Mitch Trubisky has been outstanding. Um, which, you know, somebody asked uh, Fedora a really weird question today on the uh, teleconference. They asked him and said, um, what are your memories of playing? Because he's 6-0 and against UVA all the time. And what are your memories of playing UVA and, and Fedora? And basically, the, there actually wasn't a question in the, in the first attempt at it, and he was like, I, I don't think I understand your question. Um, but he did make a point to say that, um, you know, he reminded, like, hey, that was Trubitsky's first, you know, real thing was when he came in for that play and that he had a timeout but he didn't use it because they had that much faith and confidence in Trubisky executing it look the kid the kid looks good this year what I've seen in Carolina I mean that kid can ball um seems like a nice fit for the system and 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 even though he's not Marquise Williams in a lot of ways I almost wonder if sometimes Williams's uh skill set and versatility sometimes uh blinded Carolina a little bit I feel like they're much more comfortable like they look they look um more, much more homogenous with Trubisky at, at the helm versus Williams. I felt like sometimes Williams, you're trying to do too much with him. You're trying to run him. You're trying to like have him out as a receiver. You know, all kinds of craziness. Um, 
I feel like Trubisky really fits, and I think that's a significant problem for UVA in the sense like, I mean, look, best quarterback they face this year is. I mean, think about it. Yeah. You went from you went from Kyle Aletta, not bad, you know, whatever, um, to the Prukop kid at Oregon, who is I don't think is I think they've moved on to the other kid, right? I mean, they've they've I don't think they've Prukop's completed a pass since Oregon. They've they've cratered since then, right? Okay, then you got uh, the kid from Central Michigan, the kid from UConn, kid from Central Michigan, probably the best at this point. Um, yeah, you know, so clearly Trubisky's going to be. Oh, no, I think Peters is pretty good. I mean, Peterman, you mean? Peterman, yeah. Peterson's sorry. so good, you, Peterman. you didn't get his name right. <laughs> but like, think about that. Like, he's going. Carolina's going to have the best quarterback now. The loss of Mac Hollins, I think, is significant. I do think that's a big deal because I think what it does is, is it takes a lot of a lot of the pressure off of the safeties because Mac Hollins was a was kind of a Cavalier killer. I mean, he kind of was. Um, so not having his vertical threat and the dude just always seemed to to be open, like not like wide open, but like open enough that he'd make a catch. Um. My question is, how, how how do you defend Ryan Switzer? Do you do you go to the old uh, Larry Fitzgerald the way Grove uh, hemmed up Larry Fitzgerald by basically keeping him in a diamond all day? Um, I, I I'm not sure how how Virginia plays him. No, you you certainly can't. But I don't know how Virginia plays it. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna get his touches. He's gonna get his catches, and you've got to be able to one be a lot better at you know being a short tackler than they have been in this this season so far. And I think that's the thing. That plagues them uh, in this matchup. If I'm projecting a little bit, I do think I, I do worry that Virginia's tackling is just not where it needs to be, and this is the kind of team that will make you pay for plays just like that that touchdown uh, pass to to, to Wea. I mean, like it's it, Carolina is a different sort of animal. Um, I thought Pitt did a really good job of motioning people around to kind of disguise things. Carolina's going to do a lot more check with me stuff. Um, which I don't think throws as many curveballs at defenses as moving guys around the way that Pitt was doing. I actually thought, you know, it's it's funny because you th- you would think that with that many movements, it really opens up the possibility of you just screwing up a whole bunch, right? It 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 it, it adds a whole bunch of you know of, of of places where you can mess up, right? Where you can commit mm-hmm. a penalty. But I really thought they executed it well. I mean, they come out and next thing you know, they're they're running a tackle from one side to the other. Um, and then they'd move some guys around and then move move pieces thereafter. Um, Carolina not going to do much of that. So I wonder if if that's a possible, um, uh, you know, kind of wrinkle to watch and see if that's something that 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 kind of trips UVA's defense up. But um, looking at the matchup, it's 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 clear to me that Carolina's the the more likely team to win. The question is just how it happens. Let's get to uh, let's get to some predictions, man. What do you what are you feeling uh, in this game? What's what's your gut telling you? In my gut telling me it's probably just a little bit too much for us. Um, even with with Hollins out, I mean, I think Switzer. If you if you say, hey, now we can we can double up Switzer and keep a Switzer and keep a, a safety over top the whole time. It's not like Carolina's not playing receiver where Hollins would have been, um, and That's they've true. got talent there. That's true. So I think whoever's playing opposite Switzer is probably going to be the one that gets most of the action because he's more than likely going to be one on. Um, I, I, I mean, I think our offense can move the ball against them. From from what I've heard out of the press conferences this week with Bronco and his coaches show last night, I expect to see more of an emphasis on running the ball and sustaining drives this week. Um, I mean, obviously we're going to take our shots if they're there, but I, I would expect we're going to see a lot more run um, 
a much bigger percentage of run to pass this week than, than we have the last few games. Um, I don't know if that's enough to win it. It's going to take, I think if Virginia wins this game, it's because they force a bunch of turnovers. Carolina gets sloppy. I think if it's an even turnover margin, even maybe minus one, uh, plus one, I don't know if that's enough for Virginia to overcome the firepower. Um, now I'll be there Saturday and you know, three o'clock game probably might be the latest kickoff we get the rest of the year at home. Um, so, yeah, I'm hoping there's enough energy in the stadium. Um, so to make some magic happen, I do do not like Carolina at all. Um, I hate picking them, but I just like it's too many ifs and buts for Virginia to win this game for me to <laughs> to feel confident predicting them to win. I think it'll be high scoring, but I think Carolina wins at thirty eight to thirty two. How exactly is UVA getting to thirty two? I don't know. I mean, they've gotten some weird scores this year. See, so. No, no. You need to. You see, this is the gear you stay away from weird scores because they're just never. Well, I mean, unless you think there's going to be a whole bunch of two point conversions, which is funny because you had UVA losing this thirty five to seven in the preseason. Well, I think it was one. At this point, I probably have Virginia like seven and zero oh too. So I had to get them to get their butt kicked once. You had them. You had them four and two going into this game. Four and two. So yeah, six. Um, Ferber had uh, he he did pass along his uh, his own picks. He has uh, Carolina winning this thirty four twenty four compared to what he had in the preseason, which was Carolina winning at thirty one. Excuse me. He had UVA winning at thirty one sixteen. Are we that right? No. No, just kidding. It he could had, be. He had no, no. He sorry. He had Carolina win at thirty-seven to twenty, so now he has a thirty-four twenty-four. Look, I, I feel like we've we've gotten this far into talking about Carolina. We haven't talked about Elijah Hood once, um, and that's probably because we suck. But um, look, <laughs> I, I, I don't know where he is right now. He had the concussion. He missed. Um, what was that the Tech game he missed? And then he came back against Miami, but he wasn't kind of him, his full self. I don't know how much they're going to go with Hood versus Logan or how, however you want to slay it. But I do think that Carolina's got a lot of weapons. And I think the thing that, that, that kind of trips me up from, from picking UVA to win this game is that Carolina has a lot of weapons. And they're coming off their best, their better, their, probably their best defensive performance of the season. Um, you know, and I'm not trying to say Miami's offense is all this and that, but I do think that they're they're not bad, and Carolina made them look that at times. Um, you know, Malik Carney I think is a a significant um, force on the defensive line. I think that you're going to see, um, you know, like uh, we we talked to Jack McDonald today on the uh, UVA tel- teleconference, and he was talking about how, you know, they just have a lot of length and a lot of athleticism and. What they see on film is a is a is a pretty solid defense, and even though the numbers might say otherwise, when you, what you see with your eyes is a little bit different. So, you know, I, I just have I have no real sense of like how like what's the scenario for UVA to win this game, right? Like clearly, you need to the the conventional wisdom would be that you need to keep Carolina's offense off the field. So that means you need to execute, which means you need to play well on third down. You got to stay away from penalties, which has been a little bit of a bugaboo. Um, but special teams is, is going to be such a big deal in this game. Um, I feel like, you know, it's almost like when we talk about Virginia basketball and we talk about offense and we talk about how at the pace that Virginia plays, you have to execute at such a high level offensively because you just don't get a lot of opportunities, right? You just don't, you just don't get enough possessions. I think some of that's somewhat true here, which is, one, like the pressure that's put on Virginia when they punt, right, is pretty significant. Like each one of those punts has to be a good punt and it has to be covered well, right, because you can't afford to lose any ground. And the issues are they're giving up in kick coverage, even if they put a lot of emphasis on it this week and, and try to, to right some of that ship. Like, 
you still feel like other teams are going to gain. Um, you know, if I'm Virginia, I just find some dude who can just kick it out of the end zone every time because that might be their best defense. It's just you know, put them on the twenty five. Um, but special teams, I think, is going to be a significant part of this game, and that's obviously not to UVA's benefit. Um, but I do think that one of the things that Virginia runs into when you can't when you can't manufacture offense and you're not really getting a whole lot on the ground, um, I, you're you're susceptible to kind of. I don't want to say panicking or freaking out, but you're susceptible to kind of feeling like you have to hurry up and get something done now, right? And that ultimately is is big plays. Now, maybe Virginia can hit a few more of those this weekend than they did last weekend, but I think ultimately it's going to – if Virginia wins this game, there's got to there's be a balance offensively, and that certainly will help. The thing that, that is a real potential negative here is that Virginia is not right now built to win shootouts, and yet their offense wants to go fast. So you could have a lot of really short drives, and then Carolina has really short scoring drives, and there's a little bit of a snowball effect. And I think as a you know, for from the Virginia side of view, point of view, that's like the worst case scenario. But it's definitely something that's on the table. Um, so anyway, long story short, I've got Carolina uh, winning this one as well. In the preseason, um, I had uh, Carolina uh, winning at twenty-seven eighteen. I think more points will be scored. I've got the Tar Heels thirty-seven to twenty-eight, um, which is about somewhere in the ballpark of the line at least. Um, you know, I, I'm, maybe Virginia kicks a field goal, but um, I don't know. I'm, I'm still skeptical of Virginia's entire um, kicking operation. Punting I'm okay with. Kicking seems a little bit weird. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this is going to be a tough one. And certainly um, you, with you, you got Louisville coming to town the following week, and then you got to go to Wake Forest. Um, you know, it's it's going to be um, going to be a kind of a um, – hold on to your butts kind of time for the, for the, for the program. I mean, clearly this season, the big thing is not, um, Hey, we got to make a bowl game like that. I think we all kind of figured that one out the window in the opener when you saw kind of where they were, you know, up to this point, up until it gets pit. I mean, look, look, they were making, they were making gains. And so you kind of want to see them make gains even if they lose. And I think that's the thing as fans, you got to be looking for, but Anyway, um, let, let's. I think that's a good place to put a pin in that. I do want to really quickly touch on um, some hoop stuff because we had media day this week. Um, uh, you know, some interesting storylines. Uh, <laughs> London Bryant has broke his nose again. <laughs> he, it wouldn't be a preseason if London Bryant didn't have some injury. Remember a couple years ago he had the leg thing and then he he had the uh, – wasn't there like a jarring of the leg or some kind of like knee or ankle thing, yeah, you know? Um, but yes, he's third time he's broken his nose as a Cavalier. Got to go ahead and get it out of the way this year early. Um, and for some reason broke it Saturday, but didn't have it reset until Monday, right before media day. Um, he was a little loopy when he talked to us, but anyway, what were some of your takeaways from hearing from Tony, uh, on Monday? What were some of your, your thoughts? What, what kind of stood out to you about, about media day? I mean, nothing we haven't heard, you know, Obviously, the Spain trip gave us a little more access than we normally have through this point in the year. Um, I mean, uh, I mean, the two sh- most shocking revelations for me were, um, uh, well, I don't know if the second one's most shocking. London's always breaking his nose. But uh, <laughs> it's um, given the fact that London broke his nose again, I mean, that's – I was kind of joking that was shocking. But um, – the whole, I think he said Huff has gained 25 pounds, um, which, you know, I, I don't want to get into the whole shitty red shirt debate. You know what? It's too early to, to get into that debate. Um, the, 
you know, that's a lot of weight to put on. So it makes me wonder, you know, what's this guy's ceiling? I mean, they acted like he couldn't, couldn't put on weight in high school, and that's why everyone was scared of him. But if he's put on 25 already, if he can put on another 25, I mean, watch out. Um, and then just, you know, it just kind of reminded me, you know, Tony talked a lot about the importance of, of the returning guys um, and how they've all improved. Um, and I think that's something we've seen year in and year out with him. Um, and that bodes well because I think we all get caught up in the hype of, of what we don't know with the freshmen. Um, but if you get significant improvements from, you know, one or two of of the combination of, you know, Wilkins, Shayok, Hall, and Thompson, this team becomes much more formidable out of the gate. Um, and Tony's not one to, to heap praise on people just for the sake of heaping it. So, I mean, he, I, I expect to see much better things. And, you, you know, you did that video with Wilkins where he's talking about working on this three-pointer. Um, yeah, that was the I mean, thing. It, Dude, he didn't say work. He said sharpening. Yeah, and sure. I was like, "Well, I kind of joked last year that he needs to extend his range like six inches because he was famous for hitting that like foot on the line shot with, with ease." Um, you think about a guy with Wilkins with his versatility. If he can go out and hit a three, like that changes the whole dynamic of this team, especially when you start looking at the pieces with with Hunter's size and his ability to shoot. Um, guy Hall. Um, I mean, I don't think we expect Thompson to have developed a three-pointer that makes him consistent, but he, he can certainly hit it when he's open. Um, you, you just had another guy to the roster who can hit the three. As much as we've talked about Virginia not having that option, you know, having that depth from three over the, the years leading up to this one, I mean, it's exciting. I'm looking forward to the season getting started. Um, I don't know what to expect out of it. Um, I mean, you know, I think Tony could probably roll with, you know, with with the uh, with London Nichols and the combination of the returning guys, and and win most, you know, win a fair share of games um, in the out of conference. Um, but I, I don't expect him to do that. I think he's going to want to work the freshman in, kind of see what he's got. Um, yeah, I think we're beyond the. Uh, my whole um, thought process heading into the season is: have we reached the point where we're kind of elite enough where the regular season? isn't really like we expect to make the tournament. We're going to be, you know, top four seed, but we want to do all we can during the regular season to make sure when the tournament comes around, we're the Michigan state, you know, uh, I guess you understand what I'm trying to say. Like, have we reached that point yet where we're, we as fans are okay with, with losing a game or two, we might've won because we're trying to develop something for April. I don't know if we are yet. That's going to be the challenge for a board moderator as this year goes on. I think. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, <laughs> the thing that I'm, curious about is how the similarities that people don't throw tomatoes at me okay just let me let me land the plane before you do the similarities between virginia's football season and hoop season and the reason i i make this correlation here is because to me i see virginia football as a team that that badly needs to to play some games and get through some time together to kind of figure out what's what and even though virginia gonna have a top 10 ranked team it, that's that's on talent and potential what they actually put on the court is a little bit different and i feel like it's they're gonna be some bumps in the road and i and i i wonder if fans are really prepared for that like i'm not saying they're gonna lose 15 games but i do think that they're gonna be some times where they look pretty out of sorts um you have a lot of moving parts that have to kind of fit back together and 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 that's the that's the challenge of coaching right like every year you you will in college you will have a different team Right, you will have seniors who left. You'll have kids who improved. You'll have new kids who are coming in. 
you're going to have a different team each year. And fans are incapable because we're, you know, human, right? Fans are incapable of not expecting a static line that you hope is kind of going up, right? That you, the team you saw last year is the team you start with this year and everybody improves and they keep rising. I do think it was significant that Tony made a point to say that all the guys, all the returning guys had improved. I don't think he's ever gone that far, and he's not a rah-rah type. He's definitely not somebody who says anything he doesn't firmly believe. He's just not that dude. So, like, how have they improved? How do they all fit together? Those are the things that I'm kind of curious to, to kind of see play out. The other thing I'm, I'm interested in is the dynamic between experience and youth. The experience is bigger, it's stronger, and it plays the pack line. This, the youth is not as strong, much more offensive-oriented, uh, uh, has to get the pack line down. The mix of minutes that you see um, for um, specifically Kyle and DeAndre. Now, I still don't know what they're going to do with Ty. I feel like Ty's going to kind of be the odd man out, but it probably does him some good to play this year because he's going to be the point guard next year. But when it comes to the other freshmen, you know, I don't. I I, I think they'll bring uh, Diakite along slowly. You know, they'll 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 let him kind of earn his way to more minutes. Um, but I do think he'll play. Um, I, I still think the Jay Huff red shirts, um, and I'm probably going to believe that until somebody officially says he's playing or I actually watch him go into a game. Um, but I think it's going to be Ty and, 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 and Dre. And so if that's the case, uh, there's a lot that you can do with those two guys interspersed with like the experience of Virginia has coming back. And the last thing I'll say is this. Everybody should understand, though, that as good as those two kids might end up being, and even if they have some really, really bright um, moments this year, what happens to UVA this season will depend on the guys that you already know by name, the guys that you've seen in a jersey. How do they step up from being role players to being spe- you know, espe- especially important and, and being major contributors, right? One of those guys is going to have to take up a lot of minutes um, you know, because obviously Brogdon leaves a lot on the table. So there, to me, it's it's a situation where I think Virginia has a lot of talent and a whole lot of potential, and their ceiling is incredibly high. But where they're starting from in the floor is is a lot lower uh, than most people think, largely because it just takes a while to play the basketball, the style of game and the brand of basketball that Virginia wants to play. Chemistry cannot be understated when it comes to the pack line, but it's especially important too offensively. That's why I think it's a good thing that they're they're already talking about having you know being able to play London a little bit off ball because I think there are times when he is the baddest man on the floor, and you got to let him eat and you got to let him take shots without feeling like he's shortchanging his teammates. Um, so I'm really curious to see kind of how it all shakes out. But that's that's kind of like some of the vibes I was kind of getting and some of the questions that I had after talking to Coach Bennett and uh, several of the players. But anyway, I think that's a good place to to put a pin in it for this week. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get Ferber's insight on any of this stuff, but. Then again, um, you know, hey, sometimes it's fun to uh, to leave to leave people out of the mix. Um, maybe he should uh, keep his transformers from blowing up. Uh, but I do want to thank Dave for being on the show. As always, want to thank everybody out there for giving us a listen and spending your time with us. However, you may be listening, thank you for your support. So for David Spence, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. <laughs>